Hello and welcome to the ACA Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting. If you would like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org and click on online meetings and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. I'm very happy to welcome our speaker who is Robert from Santa Fe, New Mexico. My name is Robert and I'm an adult. Hi everybody. Uh, it's first of all, um, I want to acknowledge Virginia and Pam and Adam. This, this was a meeting that came at a really good time in my recovery, um, especially with the virus and the political environment. And I won't go there, I promise. <clears throat> um, so um, I thank you very much. I like the, the format's awesome. Um, so I think I'm going to start things off with um, a prayer. And I'm going to do the prayer twice because the second time I'm going to go through it because it's actually the cliff note version of my share. And so the prayer goes something like this, and it's, it's sincerely meant for all of us on this Zoom meeting. Uh, blessings to all adult children who still suffer. May you find refuge, safety, comfort, healing, recovery, and unconditional self-love. Blessings on our paths. Blessings to all children, real and inner, still caught and traumatized in the crossfire. May you find refuge, safety, comfort, healing, recovery, and a loving parent who loves you unconditionally will never, ever, ever abandon you and will take care of you no matter what circumstance you are in. Um, blessings on all your paths. Um, and so the cliff note version of my, of my share tonight is about parenting. And um, as a loving parent, so um, I've been doing this for a while. I got sober 36 years ago, which is like unbelievable. I, I'm a little uncomfortable saying that for some reason. I don't know why. It's probably good to check in emotionally before I start to get in my body completely. Um, I'm feeling really excited. I was a little feeling blushed with the large introduction, but that's okay. I'll, that'll pass. And I'm feeling grounded and um, I'm a little scared. Uh, okay, so let's go back to the prayer. So um, blessings to all adult children who still suffer. May you find refuge, safety, comfort, healing, recovery, and unconditional self-love. So to me, the journey, the destination that I've arrived at is unconditional self-love. And then blessings to all children, real or inner, still caught in the, in the, in the, in the caught and traumatized in the crossfire. May you find refuge, this is for our kids. May you find refuge, safety, comfort, healing, recovery, and a loving parent that loves you unconditionally will never, ever, ever abandon you and will take care of you no matter what circumstance you're in. And so that describes, those two phrases describe my journey in ACA. Um, and so just, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on my childhood, although I'm going to give you a snapshot of it that is very accurate. But I want to, I want to take you on my parenting journey. 
because um, that's that's my recovery. And and so I've been I got sober about 36 years ago and I, I didn't pick up after I got sober. And um, that was a miracle, uh, but I was done. And then a year into it, I, found, I went to my first ACA meeting and the book didn't exist. It was very rudimentary readings, some of which we still read. And um, that began my ACA journey. Um, I've worked the steps in AA several times. I've worked the steps in SLAA. I've worked uh, the steps, the red book, the, the big red book steps, the yellow book steps. I've, I've worked those twice. And I've worked Tony's steps once. And I did four steps in Overeaters Anonymous, Workaholics Anonymous. So I've been doing this a long time. And um, I guess what I want to, what I want to, so, so I come into ACA and then the Red Book showed up. And I kind of want to give you kind of a sense. I have some notes, which I may refer to just to keep me focused on track. I want to walk you through the stages of my parenting and kind of give you a firsthand experience of, 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 of what happened in my, in my journey. And the, in the, the first phase is, is what I call um, the big red book journey. So, and I'll talk a little bit about that. The second phase is what I call call to parent. And then the third phase is, is parent to resolve or parent to resolution. And then the fourth phase is called to intimacy. And so I think it would be helpful for me to kind of walk you through those. So when I came into ACA, um, uh, I'm gonna start with the red book because when the red book showed up, that was a huge thing for me. But I, I'm remiss in not describing my childhood. So I'm gonna, I, I wanna talk a little bit about my childhood and I'll be very clear. My, here's my childhood. I felt unloved, unwanted, unseen, unheard, and untouched. And it took me 18 months to distill my childhood to those things. And I could spend a lot of time with events and circumstances that would validate that those things are true, but that's the truth. Um, and so I come into ACA and I spent 18 months sorting out the truth and being able to say it succinctly. And I did it for a couple of reasons. One is because I would spend all of my shares talking about the events. <laughs> and there's, hey, there's nothing wrong with talking about the events because until I get clear on what really happened, I have to do that. But I also found out that my shares were all about what happened, not about anything else. And so um, anyway, and I, I, also, I also like to be clear um, about what happened. So anyway, so I come in and the book shows up and I had two reactions to the book. Oh my God, I, I was thrilled. I was excited because I had done a lot of work. I did work, I, I got sober. And I did a lot of step work. I did everything I was told because I was a good boy. I hadn't discovered that part yet. And, and so then the red book came. And, and here's, I probably should have said this up front. 
one is I obviously don't speak on behalf of the fellowship and my experience may be totally different from yours. And in truth, my experience is often quite different from the Red Book. Um, so those who know me know that I have kind of a weekly critique when I share about the Red Book. Uh, and I'm not laughing because it's funny. It's just, it is what it is. But anyway, so the Red Book did some amazing things for me. What it did was it called out two things that sep in, my, in my view, ACA is not like any other 12-step program. The only thing that's, that's the same is there's 12 steps and we inherited a lot of, a lot of concepts from AA. Um, but it's the only program on earth that talks about trauma. And trauma is my go-to favorite topic. I know I shouldn't have said it that way. It makes, I'm not making fun of it, but I became a student of trauma. So anyway, so the book tells me I'm traumatized. And then the book also tells me that the solution is to become my own loving parent. And the thing about calling out trauma is that um, by definition, at least, and again, this is all my views, my experience is by calling out trauma. And now we're not talking about, you know, hey, it really sucked. We're talking about clinically diagnosable imprinting of someone's nervous system. It's a neurological condition that is, is I'm gonna say permanent in quotes because it can be transformed. I'll, I'll, and I'll talk about that. Um, and, and, so, um, and so I took that on board and then I had an experience. So I, I, I'm gonna kind of stop for a second because I wanted to do this up front and I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross talk because I'm gonna call someone out by name on this meeting. There's a, there is a gentleman who I love dearly, who is my sponsor, who is on this meeting, and his name is Richard. And I checked in with Richard to make sure that he was cool with me saying that. But Richard, I love you, and I wouldn't be sitting here talking about my transformation without your sponsorship. So God bless you, man. Um, okay, so that that's probably the most important thing I need to say tonight, actually. And I've lost my thought. And you know, there used to be a time in my recovery, if I lost my thought, I would freak out because it would be like, you guys know I lost my thought. Oh my God, what's gonna happen next? And those are kids, those are inner kids that uh, no longer um, are afraid. But anyway, so the book called out trauma and it called out parenting. And then what happened to me is I had an experience that, so reading it in the book, look, I didn't talk any about my parents. I don't think it, there's much to say. They were both drunks, never found recovery. And um, there was alcoholism. There was money issues. There was, there was, there was molestation of, of a sister by my father, at least one that I know of. So all that stuff. But they were both drunks. And so the thing I figured is, hey, man, if they're both drunks, whatever this book says, it's true for me. And so... Um, I thought, okay, I, I guess I'm traumatized. And the book does a reasonably good job, although it's more anecdotal than scientific. For those of you who are students of trauma, they, they know a lot about trauma now. And I've become a student, as I mentioned, of, of trauma. Anyway, the point is, is I had an experience that I had an in-body, in my own body's experience of being triggered. And that changed everything. Because what I was reading and acknowledging, okay, I relate to that. I, you know, I, I relate to that. That makes sense. I'm, both parents were drunk, so I guess I suffer from PTSD. But 
but it's actually complex PTSD and not PTSD, but that's another story. But anyway, so I realized that this trauma thing was not something I ever had experienced before. And as my higher power would have it, it happened. I, I got a piece of mail in the mail. I had been separated from my third wife. Um, I'm reliably, I was, nobody was home. So, you know, it took three for me to determine that this maybe I need to do some work. But anyway, I had a piece of mail that I had a panic attack by looking at, at where it came from. And I spent, I don't know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour completely out of my body. And I had enough presence to have, uh, to be able to witness terror in my body. And so, and, and I, need to, I need to get going here because let's see what the time says here, come on. Anyway, um, so what occurred to me in that moment, here's the other thing I didn't mention is, as soon as I came back into my body, I was out for quite a while and um, it was time to call Richard. So I called Richard and he listened to me blow by blow by blow walk through that experience. And I remember um, I had a choice to make because uh, I, I, my inner kids thought they were going to die. That's what it felt like. And I identified the feeling a couple of days later as terror. And, um, and so I had to make a decision. Was I really that interested in opening up this door or what? And I did. Not only did I open the door, but I've, I've been an avid, I've, been, I've become a very adroit, I've used this word a couple of times in meetings. I, here's the other thing. So unlike what the book says, and there's nothing wrong with the book, um, my actual parent is me. Robert talking to you tonight is my actual parent. So I've got three dimensions to me, my true self. I've got a historical dimension, which are my kids. All right, so if I say kids, those are inner kids. So I also have biological kids, four of them. And my parenting, all four of them could be here in this meeting tonight. I, I, there was nobody home. So I've got the historical dimension and is my kids. And I've got the here and now present Robert in the here and now dimension, that's me. And then I've got the spiritual dimension. So I don't have one higher power, I've got about seven. Um, I've got Tara, um, the deity team, divine mother, great spirit, Buddha, and I'm leaving somebody out. God. So I, and the reason I did that is because I needed a lot of help and they were more than willing to form what I call my deity team. So that's that's kind of my true self, but I but I want to say that you know, my actual parent is me. So let, let me and, and so what I can describe to you what happened to me is kind of like this. I have four ways of describing. I'm going to look at my notes because it's important. Um, disharmony has been transformed into harmony. Disharmony, you know, and I'm speaking to the I'm singing to the choir here. There was no harmony at all when I came into the fellowship. I had voices of traumatized kids. I had voices of a critical parent. And, you know, just there was just no harmony. So also is I would actually say that I've, I've gone from a, a, a domain of suffering in the realm of suffering 
into the realm of happiness and wholeness. Um, I'd also have gone from self-loathing into unconditional self-love. And the one I really like, this was the hardest one, and this may make, make a lot of sense. Growing up in a, in a family where nobody's there for me, I have no vision but outward. There's nobody home. When I came into AC, I had a traumatized, wounded child, a false self, and a critical parent. And because I have no self as a child, my orientation is outward. There's no such thing as reflection because there's nobody home. And so, so my transformation has happened because my my orient I shifted my orientation from outward to inward. Now we hear this a lot. It's an inside job, blah, blah, blah. I want to tell you that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And the reason I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done is because I became traumatized with my vision outward. And that's that and I guess I'm going to share these pet peeves. I have this pet peeve about the other thing I would tell you is because I was traumatized, the laundry list is normal. It's like normal behavior. And that was helpful when I sorted it out with my kids because everything about them they thought was bad, wrong, they're the problem. The other thing is that, you know, we kind of, we, we kind of, this is my take is that the laundry list is kind of an undesirable set of things. And we kind of want to stop doing those. I, I fell in love with my laundry list because it was exactly the imprint of my children my traumatized kids. So I love those things back into me. And what was the other thing I wanted to say about that? Um, yeah, I lose my train of thought and that's just the way it is. Uh, some people I meet say that losing one's train of thought is actually a very high state and it's a good thing. Um, with my background, that's not how I ever looked at it. I have to be, I have to say. So anyway, so I'm gonna start on the journey here. So, so um, I did everything the Red Book said. And this is the Red Book. So to me, the Red Book provides a fundamental foundation on, for, for which I started my parenting journey. And I'll call it two phases. Subs tools. Tools is the first phase. The second phase is substitution. So in other words, let's say, I, and I'm going to start using some trauma stuff. And trick, like, let's say I get triggered and uh, using the substitution, the tools method, when I, when I, if I'm being triggered, then the first thing I do is one of several things. And these are things that, that leaked into us from AA. One is I call my sponsor. I go to a meeting. I work a step. I be of service, you know, all those, all those things. And I did those things. And to me, the next level of, of sophistication in parenting from the Red Book was substitution, what I call substitution, affirmations, right? So I have to, I have to say, I, I wasn't a big fan of affirmations, um, and I'm not sure why, but I wasn't. Uh, but, you know, you know, you know the drill. It's like, all right, so I have a negative thought, and um, the fact that I now know I have a negative thought is progress because before I came into the fellowship, I just thought that's the way I thought. And, and so I have a negative thought, oh, I discover it, progress. Advanced step is I replace it with a positive thought. 
So I did this for a while, and I have to say that um, I started to I started to get uncomfortable with this model, and and I and I have to say that by this time I have a I have a loving parent who's just getting started, but I have clearly defined the fact that I have traumatized kids, so my kids are traumatized, and. And so what I started to realize, which got me into the next phase, which I call call to parent, is it, it occurred to me one day, and oh, by the way, I'm doing trauma, trauma therapy. I highly recommend trauma therapy. Talk therapy's a good start, but for me, trauma therapy means I have some, a, a professional that not only knows how to diagnose trauma, they know how to treat it. And so I've done EMDR and I've done somatic experience. I'm still doing somatic experience. But, but anyway, I've lost my train of thought. Let me come back. Um, called a parent. Um, oh, so what I realized is, you know, I think these messages that I would consider to be toxic messages have some value. It's my kids. My kids are actually talking to me. And so I thought, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to affirm over a, a toxic message from a kid who's not okay. In other words, I think they come to me for healing, not for replacement, but for healing. And this was a huge step for me because, um, because um, in order for, so here's, here's my experience. My experience is, is trauma and trauma covers a lot of, a lot, a lot of ground shame, blame, all that stuff, abandonment, fear of abandonment. And so here's what I know to be true is three things cut through my trauma, love, truth, and clarity. And so I started to become aware of that. And so, so I shifted my focus away and, and, and I'm not trying to be cute here, but let me talk about what I concluded from the big red book phrase, the, the, the first phase. So let's say I go to the playground with a biological kid, all right? So a real son or daughter, and they're on the monkey bars and I'm watching them because they're playing and I'm watching them and they fall off the monkey bars and they hurt themselves, all right? So they're hurt. And I know that because they're, I can see potentially blood or they're, they're, they're hurt. So I'm being called to parent in that moment. I really am. and so. What do I do? And again, I'm not trying to be cute. I tell you what I don't do. No offense, Richard. I don't call my sponsor. I don't go to a meeting. I don't work a step. I don't help someone else. I go to my kid. And that may sound like a, well, I don't know what it sounds like, but I had this experience in a park. And that's where I saw, oh my God, I'm being called to parent. The other thing I will tell you from my own experience is that having a traumatic reaction was never a pleasant thing until I started to parent. Because when I started to parent and gave my kids permission to feel, they were feeling the things they never felt as a child. And, it, and at first it scared the crap out of them. But as they started to trust me, they started to feel those feelings. And so I'm kind of jumping a little bit here, but what I can tell you, which is a an amazing thing to say is not only can I not only can I parent my children's reactions by loving them and telling them the truth, 
is I can actually parent those reactions to resolution. They can be resolved. In other words, my understanding from the work I've done is that, that my inner children are actually instances where my nervous system was, was overloaded and I dissociated. And so it's an unresolved issue in my nervous system. And so what I'm saying is that I have parented my children so that those issues are no longer issues. And the one that I can use as an example is, is abandonment. My kids are no longer afraid of being abandoned because I told them you can't be abandoned because I'm here, right? I'm here. And I'm kind of kind of going quickly over this, but I guess I want to stop and say, and I also haven't talked about my critical parent. I sent him packing, literally. Um, that's where I really went contrary to the book. book. The book wanted me to integrate him into usefulness. My crit critical parent, no offense to him personally, he was of no use to me. As a matter of fact, he was a toxic voice. So I sent him packing and it created all kinds of space. And now I've got a situation where um, when my kids would feel abandoned, which was almost all the time. I mean, if I really describe my childhood a different way, I was either afraid I was about to be abandoned or I was in the middle of being abandoned or I was kvetching over the fact that I was abandoned and now I'm afraid I'm gonna be abandoned again. And so through this, anyway, so I, I, I'm just a regular guy. I mean, I grew up in a family where I had, both parents were drunks. I became a drunk. I decided to get sober. I did, AC, I got sober, stayed sober, discovered ACA and started parenting myself. And so if, if I can get well, you can get well. It's just, that's just the way it is. Um, okay, so I've talked about call to parent. So to me, it, everything flipped. When I discovered I was traumatized, that became the absolute primary focus of my recovery. In other words, um, I still worked the steps. I still went to meetings. I still talked to my sponsor. But my focus was becoming my own loving parent. And I have to say that, that things started to shift for me when that focus started to happen. In other words, everything started to become important to me. Like words really started to matter to me. And I also will say this, and I'm somewhat reluctant to say it, but if I, but if I actually talk a little bit about, um, I probably should do a time check. Adam, would you be kind enough to, it's okay if you tell me out loud. You're, you're muted. Oh, that's, uh, I, I may actually get this. Anyway, so, and I mean no disrespect to AA, because if I didn't get sober, I wouldn't be sitting here. I know that. I'd either be dead, because I would be dead, or I would be walking dead. But, but here's, what, here's what, what I started to notice. I mean, if I, if I actually talk about, for example, there's a lot of terms and concepts in the Big Red Book that are age-old go-tos. They're traditional concepts. And what I noticed is, is um, there were things that really didn't jive for me. And, and again, I mean, no disrespect to Bill W or Dr. Bob, it, it, 
because they did what they did and I'm sitting here because of it. Like for example, emotional sobriety really, really didn't fit for me. Um, I honored it because it started in 1958 in an article in, in the, 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 the grapevine and it stuck. And I think when it was, when he called out emotional sobriety, I think he was talking about, um, well, whatever he was talking, he, he was talking about the Holy Grail. You know, I put the plug in the jug and I'm still nuts. And it bothered those guys. And so he said, hey, emotional sobriety is it. But, but for some reason, emotional sobriety, to me, it's a, it's a concept that only makes sense to me for those of us who are in recovery. They're kind of weird terms. Anyway, the short version of this is, I, and this was hard to do, and Richard would vouch for this. I angst over this, like, am I allowed to do something different? What I discovered was unconditional love seemed to be where I was going. Um, and the reason I say that is I can measure whether I love myself any moment in time. Like I love myself now, I love myself now, and I love myself now. Now, I may not love myself in a couple of minutes, but I can measure it. Emotional sobriety to me seemed too ethereal. And it also seemed more like it was focused on you. Like I become mature, which is not a, none of it's bad. And just saying it, it mattered to me where I was headed. That was really important to me. And the other thing I will tell you is that my inner kids did not appreciate metaphors. They don't like metaphors. They don't make sense to my kids. And so I have to say the Red Book's filled with metaphors. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but here's what I would tell you. I discovered this three days ago and I was thrilled because there's, a, there's a, a word that I never heard of in my entire life until three days ago. And it's called reification. And I don't know if we have people that, are, that know words well and, and know what reification means. But reification is what I, how I parented my kids. Reification, and I'm doing it on memory, and fortunately there's not a lot, the, the definition isn't that intense. It's making inanimate objects real. And I don't like the word in, in, inanimate. My inner kids are like, why are you calling this inanimate? That's another story. But they're not, you know, they're metaphors. I mean, they exist in my, in my neurology because there's still unresolved imprinting there but I treated my kids as, as if they were real. And fortunately I wasn't in a relationship. And so I had, I had found a picture of me at nine years old and that picture became my first inner child. And so I treat, and I still do, like we get gifts for each other on our birthdays. We do Christmas presents and I had one of my three wives was Jewish. So sometimes we flirt with Hanukkah and Christmas because you get a little more, you know, gift action going on and they like that. Um, so, so anyway, so I started, here's the thing I will say, and this was also huge for me. So there are a lot of terms in the red book that don't, like make sense to me in terms of being traumatized, right? And I'll give an example, relapse. Relapse is a famous term and in uh, and, and all the programs I've been involved with, relapse was never a desirable thing. Although, you know, there was always the optimist to say, oh, what did you learn from your relapse? 
Uh, I was not a fan of relapse for a couple of reasons. One is I knew I would feel incredible shame in front of my peers. And, and for a while that was, that helped me to not relapse. But usually like an AA, for example, if I relapsed, a couple of things could happen reliably. One is no matter what step I was on, I have to start all over again. Um, and I never questioned that. I just did it all over again if I did it. The second thing is, is that I would have to take a look at my meetings and probably step up my meetings. And then the third thing is, which never happened to me, and I still don't understand this to this day, is my, I could be fired from my sponsor, right? And so, so those are the connotations that I brought into ACA. And what I realized was, to me, a relapse isn't any of those things. From a trauma perspective, now I have to say, I should have said this up front and you may have already got it. Everything to me is in terms of being traumatized. So in terms of being traumatized, to me what a relapse is, is one of the following things. For sure, I've got an, I've got a, an inner child, a traumatized child who is not okay. The other thing is probably true is I have no parent on board. You know, there's no parent around. And the third thing, which is none of these are all required. I mean, the only one that is true for sure all the time is I've got a kid who needs some love. And so I probably have no parent on board or he's out to lunch. And the third thing is I may have a critical parent who's adding insult to injury. Now, the reason I'm saying this is to me, it became very important because if I treat it in the first definition, then I am going, instead of parenting my child, which is what needs to happen, that's the other thing I should have said. The relapse, the way I just defined it, means I need to get, I'm being called to parent. I have a child who needs attention. So if I go off and work a step, if I go off and, you know, up my meetings, in, F, in, in essence, I'm abandoning my child. I don't know if that, if that makes sense to you, but it made perfect sense to me. And so I started to, so my primary focus became on parenting my kids. Every morning for the last 15 years, I get up and I meditate and I spend time with my kids. And in the beginning, that time I spent with my kids was witnessing, loving them and telling them the truth. I educated my inner kids. I educated them to say, look, when you have a traumatic reaction, that's normal. You can't not have a traumatic reaction because of your history. And none of this was your fault. There was nothing wrong with you. You did nothing wrong. You were not in any kind of trouble. Now, I've been saying, I say that, I don't say it anymore because I didn't say this, but I love myself unconditionally. I love my kids unconditionally. I never, ever abandon them with, with my deity team's help. And I take care of them no matter what circumstance. But for about the first 10 years, every morning, I would have this conversation with them. And after a while, they actually started to trust me because I showed up every morning. And they actually started to trust that there was nothing wrong with them and that they hadn't done anything wrong. And so, um, and so I guess what I, I, I talked about this before. And I didn't realize it until I came to Santa Fe. That's in a whole nother story. I used to live in the Bay Area, as, as Virginia mentioned. But there came a time when my kids trusted that I loved them unconditionally, that I would take care of them no matter what circumstance they're in. 
and that, that, and that I would never, ever abandon them with God's help. That's a different experience, folks. I mean, my kids don't really, so it's not like they don't get triggered. It's if they have a, re, I, like, I like the word reaction, you know, instead of trigger, because anyway, I won't go there. That's a waste of time. But if my kids feel upset on a scale of one to 10, before I started parenting, you know, the trauma reaction would be like a 20. Now my kids' reactions are less than a 0.5. And not only is it that, it, and that's insignificant. The other thing that's true is they know that if they had this reaction, they know two things. One is, oh, I've been traumatized. This is, this is I'm okay. And the other thing they know is that they call me Daddy Robert. I probably should have mentioned that up front. They know that Daddy Robert is going to take care of them, no matter what. And, and so, okay, so that, I guess that's, that's kind of a lot of what I wanted to talk about. But the other thing I would tell you is that, um, so not only can these things be parented, but they can be parented into wholeness, into healing. And so I tell you, having a, a critical parent that is not, I sent him packing, so he's not involved. I have kids that have insignificant yet imperfect wholeness. And it, life is just totally different. I mean, life is totally different. The other thing I will say is that, and I'm not in a romantic relationship, but I do know this, that navigating an, a, a romantic relationship from a whole, from wholeness is a, a totally different thing. And, and um, Adam, could I do a, another time check? Okay, cool. So. How do I want to handle the last eight minutes? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, so I came to Santa Fe because I was spiritually drawn here. And, and the only reason I was spiritually drawn is I think we all have spirits. You know, I hear people say, oh, he's so spiritual. I think everybody's spiritual. It's like when we're traumatized, having access to our spirit isn't that easy or our intuition. And so I guess the other thing I wanted to say is, so I came to a place where I, I was, it was very clear that I loved myself unconditionally. And I was always frustrated with some of the words in the book. And again, it's not the book's fault. You know, having a spiritual awakening. I started to think to myself, like how many, I was gonna, I was gonna swear, I didn't say it. Um, how many friggin' times do I have to have a spiritual awakening? Do I ever not like wake up? Like, can I be like woke? And I, so I've had a complete and total emergence of my spirit. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, whatever. It just means that, you know, what started to bother, and that's the other th reason that the emotional sobriety thing used to bother me. I used to be a mathematician. I have since gotten rid of all that stuff because it's not useful anymore to me. Um, it used to be a way that I could, you know, survive. But, but it was like infinity in math. Like infinity in math is I never really get there. You know, I never really get there. And I want to tell you this from my own experience. Traumatized children do not like to go on a journey that they never get to. It upsets them. It really upsets them. And so 
so to me, having come to a place of unconditional self-love, I feel like um, that I have, I am, I am awakened. I don't have to keep languaging that in another growth experience. I mean, it's like I have arrived in myself. It doesn't. So my journey is new and it's different. So it's no longer in the realm of neurotic suffering or suffering. It's in the realm of happiness. I want to tell you this, which is totally unexpected since I've been in Santa Fe, is I would have never thought as an adult man that I would be reluctant to totally surrender to the light and the, and the love of a higher power. That's where I am now is I'm actually, I'm actually going through a, a phase. It doesn't involve my kids. It involves my adult. Um, but I, you know, the other thing I would say, I had, when I walked into my first ACA meeting, but that was a long time ago, and that's when the, the meetings were huge. I had no idea what, it, 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 I, I can't even explain to you. The transformation that has happened to me is, has been, and I think this is what I'm guessing, because I have no idea. And I've asked my, my therapist this, is like when people grow up in a healthy family, like, is this what happens to them? Like, like they, they're like six years old and they're whole and they just go out and do life. And she said, not really, um, you know, that healthy families have traumatic events. The difference is the parents are, are visible and witness the child through the process So the child learns how to be resilient and how to, you know, take care of themselves, essentially. Um, and I guess, I guess the last thing I will say is uh, what it is an honor to, to, to be with you. We, we could be, oh my God, I, I, I'm going to say it. We could be watching television and I'm not suggesting that would be a good thing tonight, but we could be doing a thousand other things. I personally believe that raw courage to be willing, I didn't say this up front and I sh probably should have said it. When I decided that, that day I had that, that piece of mail and I had a, a panic attack, um, I'm not a, I got attacked by a dog as, as a teenager. And uh, so I'm, I'm scared of certain dogs. And um, Doberman pinchers, I'm probably saying that wrong. I think they're pincers, but whatever they are, they always scared the crap out of me. And so what I felt like the choice I was making to do trauma and go down this path was like having, I don't know why this metaphor is what it is, for some reason, I was—I had three angry Dobermans in my basement, locked, and I had the key. And it, it felt to me like, in order for me to do this work, it was like going up to the door. And of course, these, these are smart animals. So they're not happy campers, but I'm up against the door and they know I'm up against the door. So they're right there. And so I felt like, to do this work, man, I had to actually decide to put the key in the lock, open the door, and deal with, with three angry Doberman pinchers. Um, and I'm not sure. So I was scared to death. Um, but I guess what I want to do is, and I have all my, um, all my spiritual gizmos around me here. Um, just That just makes me feel comfortable. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking, but I, I want to thank you for, that's what I wanted to say is it takes real courage to not only come to the fellowship, but to be willing to open this door. 
this door into trauma, this door into parenting. And I, and I salute you for your courage. And with that, I'm gonna say thank you. <laughs>